I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10-3. Toronto Mayor John Tory cruised easily to a second term as leader of Canada's largest city last week. He did so amid a fight with the provincial government over a push from Ontario's Premier to shrink the size of City Council right in the thick of the campaign. We look at how the Mayor and the Premier are planning to put that behind them and how the changes to City Council may help Tory after all. It's Tuesday, October 30th. Before we get to our story, I want to make sure all of you take a second to subscribe to this show. I want to make sure all of you get all of our episodes right in your feed. And while you're at it, leave us a review. All good? Great. Let's get to it. Adrian Batra is editor-in-chief of the Toronto Sun. So, Adrian, most Canadians know by now that John Tory won a second term as mayor of Toronto amid a fight with Ontario Premier Doug Ford over the size of city council. But now that the dust is settled, these two men need to find a way to work together and, and are likely allies in a lot of fights. But how are they signaling that they'll do that? So a couple of things have unfolded over the course of the last few weeks. Of course, John Tory vociferously opposed the reduction of council, but in part that was because the mayor needed to look like he wasn't going to be bullied or and pushed around by the provincial government. I mean, it's, it's very typical of any lower level of government doesn't want to be perceived as uh, having, um, you know, being influenced by, by the higher level of government. So John Tory really took issue with Doug Ford's government's move to reduce council from 47 to 25 so, so quickly. I mean, Many people had suggested it was a parochial move, that it was a personal move. All the things can can be said about what what ultimately happened. But just for context, I mean, I I was around that city hall for for some time, and it truly was dysfunctional. I mean, the the operations of government, you know, people getting their welfare checks, you know, garbage being picked up, roads being fixed or not. I mean, those sort of functional aspects of government did did carry on because we have a really good civil service that ensures that it does. But when you talk about the dysfunction of city council, it was really more focused on talking about broader issues with respect to the city, you know, talking about infrastructure, uh, talking about developing our transit um, and certain other priorities that, you know, didn't seem to align with what Torontonians wanted, but was sort of pet projects for city councillors. So all of that said, um, just a couple of weeks ago before uh, election day in Toronto, I had reported and because I'd had had conversations with staff from both Mayor Tory and Premier Ford, the two men have been in conversation with one another and the, the discussions have been, as it was described to me, as productive. So mm-hmm. John Tory understands that he needs an ally in an not an adversary at Queen's Park in order to get things done. He's committed to Torontonians. Premier Ford understands that in order for a functional, for a good Ontario, we need a functional Toronto. So I believe they they both understand what's at stake here. I am confident that they're going to be able to uh, move forward with a good working relationship. There is a lot of history, both personal and and political, with these two men. No question about that. But they're mm-hmm. both in a position to put that those those issues aside for what's be- best for Toronto and, and subsequently Ontario. So what are their areas where there's potential agreement between the two of them and what areas are there where they don't see eye to eye? Well, I think there's a lot of issues with respect to um, on how to tackle the crime issue. They don't necessarily see eye to eye on that. John Tory is ad, is uh, very much in favor of a handgun ban. But as has been pointed out repeatedly, not only in the papers of the Toronto Sun, but in Sun pages and post media pages all across the country, 
that in of itself isn't um, an effectual necessarily response. And so I think where Premier Ford would like a little bit more tough, uh, the tougher on crime. Um, Now, with that said, the two men have um, uh, certainly agree on certain aspects of the funding. So Premier Ford has said that his government is planning on uh, beefing up some of the funding uh, for, for Toronto Police Service. And John Tory, during the campaign, had committed to matching that funding uh, that the province made if he was reelected. And so that's certainly one of the things that he will, uh, we anticipate the mayor is going to work uh, swiftly on in order to fulfill that, uh, that funding commitment. Again, another area where the men adamantly, uh, you know, sort of part ways is with respect to Sanctuary City. Doug Ford, of course, Mm -hmm. does not agree with Toronto or really any other place being designated a a sanctuary city. John Tory was mayor when that was happening in in our city. So that's another area where they, they disagree. But even there, those disagreements, I would submit they would be able to find a way to um, find some, find some common ground. I, I think they they oppose one another on on the fight against climate change. Uh, obviously, the Ford government is going to do everything that they possibly can to uh, oppose Justin Trudeau's carbon tax that he wants to introduce to uh, all Canadians. John Tory, I think, would have a different approach to to certain aspects of that. Um, the the there, there's there's other areas too, but uh, I I guess generally speaking, there is far more in common than than what's keeping them apart. It's just perhaps maybe the the method by which one gets there. Now, you mentioned this earlier, and one of the things that was a big bugbear for Ford, and he made no bones about it, is that local government in Toronto is broken. He mm-hmm. wanted to fix Toronto city government. Now that he has a smaller city council and, and a potential ally in, in John Tory in the mayor's chair, will he ease off some of that talk, do you think? Or could there be some more influence exerted by Ford in the future? So I'm going to answer that two ways. So one of the biggest knocks against Premier Ford when he um, made this move to cut council from 47 to 25 was that he was doing it to exact revenge upon a number of people who were uh, terrible to his brother when Rob Ford was mayor, that he is making this just purely personal. He is He's being vindictive. I would answer that the results from last from from the Monday election would sort of prove that wrong because a lot of the, there was some conversation that Doug Ford just wants to sort of turn city council to the right. Well, certainly there was a lot of those that were would be perceived or vote generally center center right ish were returned and and are coming to city hall. We only have three new faces of the twenty five going uh, back to council, but. It sort of lays to rest, I think, that notion that Doug just wanted to turn it to the to, to the right because there's a lot of uh, left wing councillors that got reelected and are and are going back to council that would n- never vote for John Tory. So so there's that aspect of it. Now of the 25, I would say anywhere between 15 to 17 of those John Tory would have support. Uh, for for pretty much any given motion, um, and that's enough for a majority and enough to move move the agenda forward. And then the second part to my my answer is 
The other aspect that had been discussed is whether or not the provincial government is prepared to give the city, in this particular instance, Toronto, more authority to the mayor. So meaning um, it's almost like when you watch, you know, when you watch those American shows, the mayor and the chief of police are sitting in there and, you know, they're collaborating. It doesn't quite work that way in Canada. Uh, the civilian mm-hmm. bodies of the of the of the of the provincial uh, political side cannot dictate to the police what what can happen on on operational matters. Um, but there is an influence. You know, we do have the mayor, for example, does sit on the Toronto Police Board. But um, so it would simply mean you would afford the opportunity to the mayor to override a council decision by giving them. Um, more more authority, uh, more power. And so that is part of the discussion that's actually happening mostly about, amongst us and sort of the pundit class right now is if Premier Ford is prepared to uh, uh, give John Tory that authority to to have the stronger mayor system. So this is this is the discussion that's certainly happening staff to staff, and whether or not it's something that will come to fruition, it's certainly not going to happen tomorrow. Um, maybe not even within the first couple of council meetings. But I would I would look to something like this come come the winter, if uh, if the premier sort of thinks, well, yeah, we've we've reduced the size of council, and that's a good thing, and I think Torontonians will will appreciate that and move things forward. Now is the second step to give more, uh, a stronger mayor system to those municipal council, uh, municipal leaders across the uh, province, In as I said, in particular to Toronto. That one is a to be determined, but I, I suspect those discussions are already happening. So not only will uh, John Tory as mayor have an easier time in getting some of his campaign priorities implemented by having fewer councillors he has to get on side when consensus with. He's also potentially looking for greater um, administrative powers. So the mayor, to be clear, has never come out and said that this is something I'm I'm looking for. He is never. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he has not said that uh, publicly. And so I this this conversation is more happening and centered around what has been said uh, from the provincial side that this is a potential that uh, that a discussion should be had about giving more uh, a, a stronger mayor system. Uh, and, and trickling that down. So I, I don't think John Tory does not want to ever be perceived as looking for more authority. Uh, I think it would be welcomed in some instances. But I would only say this. That is a tricky proposition because there is going to come a time when Toronto, from from my sort of, you know, perspective, is going to get you know, a a left-wing mayor again, like a David Miller, do you want to take that calculated risk and give them more authority if they are facing down a council that may not agree with them? So it's a real catch-22 if you are prepared Mm -hmm. to go down this road. Once you give the authority, it's harder to take it back. So lots to consider. um, and, And I would hope from the provincial pers- provincial government's perspective, they're not just thinking four years down the road. They're thinking 40 years down the road, whether or not they're ready to go and, and give such extraordinary authority to one individual. So this could turn into a, a hugely adversarial perspective, not only between mayor and city council, but a, pot- a potentially strong mayor and the premier's office down the line. It very much could. And that is also one of those sorts of considerations or unintended consequences that you think about when you think in the short term, when you're prepared to make such a significant public policy change. Uh, Again, with that said, there is um, no nothing uh, that suggests to me it's 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 an eminent decision. 
and the, at the, when all is said and done, the province still still governs, you know, the City of Toronto Act, for example, and, and municipalities are still creatures of the province. So the hammer is still in the hands of the provincial government, but you, um, you continue to uh, erode, I think, a relationship if you are, you know, piecemealing these things out just because you think it's politically expedient. And I mean that both on the municipal and the provincial front. So it's not just mm-hmm. to, it's not knocking one, one or the other. It's, it's, I think that that could be said about both levels of government. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about a discount we're offering exclusively for 10.3 listeners on all Post Media digital subscriptions so you can get access to more great reporting on the issues that matter to you. When subscribing to the National Post, the Ottawa Citizen, the Montreal Gazette, the Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Regina Leader Post, Edmonton Journal, Calgary Herald, or the Vancouver Sun, just enter promo code PODCAST and you'll get 50% off a one-year digital subscription. It's a great way to stay informed. Again, that's promo code PODCAST. Now, you mentioned before that you, you figure there are anywhere between 14 and 17 city councillors who probably John Tory could have on his side uh, to implement his agenda. What are some of the big pieces that he's going to be rolling with in this second term? First and foremost, the biggest challenge that city council is going to be facing is the reduction. So we're now at 25 and 26 with the mayor. So who is the mayor going to put on his executive? Who is going to be the speaker? Who will be the chair of the Toronto Transit Commission? Uh, these are the sorts of considerations that are being made. Obviously, right now, there's a transition. Not much of, not as much as a transition as when you change one from one government to the other. But transitioning into the smaller role of councillors. Because there's a number of agencies, boards, and commissions that the city is responsible for. It's a lot of taxpayers' money going to these A, Bs, and Cs. The city clerk at Toronto right now is writing a um, uh, a report on how, uh, under this new uh, regime of, of 25 councillors, how government can work. So that is going to be sort of the big task for council at the fir- in the first couple of months, and how to function under this new um, this new system. So. For example, uh, on the Toronto Transit Commission, there are 11 board positions. Um, I believe four of them are city councillors and the rest are made up of civilians outside of outside of council. Do we need 11? Do we need 10 people on this board? Do we need, you know, six councillors on this agency? Those are the, I, I know it sounds a bit boring, but this is actually, you know, the, the part of the governing part that, you know, that uh, residents don't see that sort of the making of sausages. That is going to be a big challenge and task for, for the next uh, foreseeable future for this new council. Council and, and for the mayor and his executive is obviously going to be smaller and the executive is basically his version of a cabinet and se- except for there's no loyalty because there's no, it's not a party system who is he going to bring into his fold to ensure that the commitments that he makes to the re- he made to the residents of Toronto he's able to move that agenda forward and as I said by my count there's approximately those um, there's nine I would say on the on the hard left who John Tory could uh, c- could commit to putting safe injection sites daycares on every and, and bike lanes everywhere and every corner of the city and those nine councillors are never going to vote with him so it's uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how his staff 
uh, work with the counselors that they appoint on the executive and those that they have sort of externally. And the three that are going to City Hall, the three new faces, I would say two of those three um, would be in the mayor, would be allies to the mayor. And one or two of them that are that are uh, reelected, those are still asterisks, even though they generally tend to support Mayor Tory. Uh, with no party system, you never know how these things can go. And I would also suggest one of the more uh, outlandish of our councillors um, could potentially hold a balance of power, which is which is a really uh, going to be a really interesting thing to watch over the course of the next few years. No, which counselor is that? That would be uh, Jim Karagiannis, the counselor out in Scarborough. And, um, you know, he was a former Liberal MP. He beat out Norm Kelly, who everybody affectionately referred to as the sixth dad. Um, you know, he, Norm Kelly has this extraordinary Twitter following. And uh, unfortunately, um, you know, that Twitter is one thing and getting out your vote is another. And, and Norm Kelly mm-hmm. wasn't able to pull it off against Jim Karagiannis. Jim has has been known to be as i said quite quite colorful with his language and um you know never know kind of an unknown factor as to how he's going to vote for something if it turns out you know you've got a, a 14 to 14 split um you know one or two councillors may be missing from the vote one councillor may be in committee i mean who knows so so certain certain councillors are going to uh hold uh, an extraordinary amount of, uh, of power, almost uh, akin to sort of a minority government sort of situation. Not quite, but but similar. And so it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see how some of that unfolds. Now, Doug Ford isn't the only Ford with an interest in Toronto municipal politics. There's another uh, who's come to Toronto City Council. I wonder if you can tell me about the new Ford on the political scene there. So Michael, it's Michael Ford. He is the nephew of both Mayor, former Mayor Rob Ford and Premier Doug Ford. Michael uh, came into uh, the political world. Obviously, he grew up in the Ford family, so that's pretty obvious mm-hmm. there. But Michael was a school trustee prior to actually running for council. Um, he served almost a full term, but then the by-election came up to represent Ward Two, he's now Ward One um, in Etobicoke, and it's been said before the Fords pretty much own Etobicoke. It's the ward that his both of his uncles represented. So um, Michael went in in a by-election and and won, and then so this is his first full um, election as winning uh, as 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 Councillor Michael Ford in the new Ward One. Uh, so taking over another part of uh, of Etobicoke with the bigger boundaries. Um, this is uh, this is something that. Michael Ford has has wanted to do, he's aspired to do, and, you know, he's very similar to his uncles in terms of voting pattern. You know, they believe in the very similar things. They want smaller government. They want more efficient government. They want lower taxes. They want affordability for residents. Uh, but Michael Ford, I would say to you, is someone who is um, doesn't have the same sort of blustery style that his uncles have. And uh, he doesn't have, he's very soft-spoken. Uh, he's, I think, someone who is very much willing to work with other councillors to sort of move and, and push his agenda forward. So new-ish on the scene, but certainly not new to the game. Okay. Well, I, it'll be really interesting to see how John Tory is able to, to cobble this uh, group of councillors together and, and get his agenda implemented. Uh, Adrian, thanks again. Always a pleasure. Here's what else is happening. The federal NDP leader is accusing the prime minister of playing petty politics by delaying a by-election call in three ridings. 
Jagmeet Singh, who is awaiting a chance to run for a seat in the House, says Justin Trudeau is disrespecting nearly 300,000 people who live in those ridings by delaying such a call. The Prime Minister called the December 3rd vote for one Ontario riding while holding off on votes in another, plus the Quebec riding of Outremont and Burnaby South in BC, where Singh plans to run. Rules state the PM has six months to call a by-election after a riding becomes vacant. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Technical support this episode from Bryce Hall in Toronto. Special thanks to our guest, Adrian Batra. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.